0: Welcome to The Drill Down. We've got business stories behind stocks on a move. I'm Corey Johnson with episode number 200. Well, just ahead, Simply Good Foods playing catch up after misjudging inflation and a mismatch causing headaches at Dave and Buster's. And we're not gonna look backwards with episode 200. We're looking forwards with a forward looking future technology, artificial intelligence. Of course, you've heard so much. We're talking to a company that is remaking itself with AI, Shutterstock, and its CEO, Paul Hennessy. But first, it's sponsor time. The
1: drill down is brought to you by Era. Never miss another critical event or insight ever with Era. Customize your company watch lists and track key events, mentions, filings, and more, all within an easy to use,
0: customizable interface. That's era, Aira, dot com. And you can listen to Drill Down on any of your favorite podcast platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeart, TuneIn, you name it. But hit the subscribe button to catch every show. And the drill
1: down is brought to you by Brain Trust, a global talent network that matches highly skilled technical freelancers with the world's most reputable brands. Brain Trust has helped clients like Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Porsche, Under Armour, and more build agile tech teams fast at a fraction of the cost. Visit braintrust.com, that's B-R-A-I-N-T-R-U-S-T.com
0: to learn more. All right, I'm Corey Johnson. Welcome to the drill down. We do explain the business stories. Behind stocks and a move. And we've been doing that for a minute. Isaac Webster, our producer, joining me right now. Uh, More than a minute, 200 episodes. Cray cray. 200. Cray cray.
1: 200 episodes on every single podcast platform. And the whole
0: idea is that uh, much of business news is devoted to explaining a squiggly line on a wall without any real depth of understanding of what's actually happening at the companies uh, whose share prices are reflected and the changing share prices reflected by that squiggly line. What are the companies doing? We're digging in. That's why we call it the drill down. Corey, what stocks you're drilling down on today? Let's start with a really weird business called Dave and Busters. Have you been to a Dave and Busters? Um, uh, I think I
1: have been to a Dave and Busters before, but I can't remember when or why, but uh, Dave and Busters trades under play P L A Y And uh, Dave & Buster's shares have fallen over 16% in the past month and are lower by 21% over the past 12 months. So what's going on with Dave & Buster's?
0: Yeah, so um, uh, they don't really know what's going on. But let's talk first about this business because it's really unusual. You may have seen the ads on television and sporting events and so on. But I think it undersells what this business is. They've got about 150 Dave & Buster's restaurants, another 50 main event restaurants, an acquisition recently completed, Uh, What does that mean? Main event. That's the name of this other restaurant brand that they have. Uh, Oh, gotcha. Okay. All in, all in, they're doing about 2 billion in revenues, got a $4 billion enterprise value, but it's really an understatement to call this a restaurant. Yeah. They sell food. Um, Yes. They're focused on sports viewing as part of that. This is not a sports bar. These restaurants are huge. Mm -hmm. 6,000 to 70,000 square foot per restaurant. 70,000 square feet about half of a Costco if you can kind of picture that so these are just gigantic things um with a with a with a uh, sort of a central hallway filled with 150 or so games um, uh, uh you know the basketball games video games um uh laser tag bowling billiards gravity ropes and some of their things mm-hmm. they've got an, uh, a an AI thing mini golf all in the midst of this kind of sports bar it's a uh, there's nothing else like it I didn't actually realize
1: they consider themselves a restaurant. Uh, I thought it was just an arcade, a place to go play video games and, you know, maybe an escape room, I guess.
0: I've eaten at a lot of restaurants that shouldn't consider themselves restaurants. Uh, <laughs> the quality of the food at Dave and Buster's. But yes, um, uh, interesting business, growing really fast. Revenues of $2 billion, as I mentioned. That's up 51% from the previous fiscal year, and 45% uh, was the growth from the year before. So... This business growing really fast. Profits about 140 million dollars up from 100 million dollars. So 50 percent increase in sales last year, 37 percent increase in profits last year. And what about this year? Next year? What's 2023 going to look like for these guys? Well, they don't really know. Here's Dave Buster's CEO Chris Morris.
2: Yeah, it's really tough to get a beat on sales right now, and it's a combination of the timing of calendar mismatches as well as lapping. Um, you know, the return to, to business coming out of Omicron last year. And so, as a result, it's just created a lot of volatilities in the numbers week to week. Um, you know, there's certain spring breaks are different all over the country. And so, there are some markets where, you know, April is going to benefit and March was negative. Uh, and so, you know, once we get through that period of time, uh, we're going to have a much better feel for what the underlying trend is in the business. So it's just a little choppy right now. You know, it's tough to get a, to the read on it. And that's, that's the disadvantage of looking at our business over a very short period of time. Uh, and so, you know, we, we'd like to keep our focus more on the longer-term aspect. We've just, you know, pulled together two very strong quarters. Um, we feel very good about, you know, our performance. We still feel very good about the underlying trends in the business. We think coming out of this, this period of mismatch, um, that you know we're going to continue to uh, to grow the business, but time will tell. And you know if there's something that's material that that we should should uh, be reporting, then we can use that as an opportunity to to update you. Uh, but but our plan as of right now, we we believe you know that the business is going to work its way through this mismatch, and we're going to we're going to get back to to you know growing the business uh, the way that we have been. We take a lot of comfort that we continue to do really well against 2019. And so, you know, we think that that's that's still a measure of health of of this business, and so that that gives us confidence as well.
0: So he's got confidence. That didn't sound like confidence to me, but maybe that's what confidence looks like when you're trying to predict uh, trends for people going out uh, and people spending money after a pandemic, after a big inflation bout, in you know who knows what this economy is going to give us right now. That's what uh, David Buster's is trying to predict. Through. And maybe I thought it was a little ominous to hear them saying, "If there's something material, we'll have an opportunity to update you." Specifically, he's referring to their May Investor Day, but that's a little worrisome, it seemed to me.
1: Yeah, is it is it safe to equate Dave and
0: Buster's with Bolero? Um, I think they're different businesses, but uh, you know, we'll see. It's it's a uh, there's a lot going on here with the entertainment aspect, the sports aspect. They talk uh elsewhere in their conference call about the effect of spring break and when spring break happens it's having special events um uh, at their restaurants uh, uh facilities whatever you want to call them um i think i might take out my girlfriend for date night and surprise her with dave and busters so um, me by moving out the next day probably yeah
1: i was gonna say i don't know if that's the right move but you do you
0: Corey, what is your next drill down? Speaking of good foods, let's look at a company called Simply Good Foods, publicly traded company out of Denver, Colorado. Uh, Simply
1: Good Foods trades under SMPL, simple SMPL, and shares have dropped over five percent in the past five days. There's a quick little, I mean, a steep drop over the past five days. And if you've uh, looking at a year, a yearly chart, they've they're lower by eight percent. So what's going on with some of the good So most of the drop in the last
0: week, yeah. And I think that represents a quarter they put out there that showed some problems. Now, this company makes uh, protein bars, ready-to-drink shakes, pizzas, something they call in their press release protein chips. What's a protein chip? Is, that, is, that a, is a protein chip like a buffalo chip? Is that different? Um, I think so. Buffalo chips aren't made out of buffalo, are they? Buffalo chips are um, is cow shit, I think, <laughs> in the old days. <laughs> So I'm better, uh, better known and <laughs> presumably better tasting frozen meals from Simply Good Foods under the Atkins or Atkins Indulge or Quest uh, brand names. These guys do those manufacturing uh, of those and, and sell those products uh, at very people high are gross still do, margins.
1: People are still doing the Atkins diet thing?
0: Yeah, and, and, and they are. Okay. And uh, the, the, the growth of that, well, first of all, the profitability has been getting worse. The gross margins were great. They're less great. I mean, they went from forty-three percent to thirty-seven percent in the last two years. That's the wrong direction. So yeah. pretty good number, but in the wrong direction. Even a healthy number. I cannot attest to the health of said diet. Consult with your dietitian or a medical professional or I don't know, some guy on Facebook. But uh gross margins going the wrong way. Uh marketing costs have been about flat at about ten percent of revenues last year, this year the same. But sales down, marketing costs down a little bit. I don't know. Uh Flat business, not good. Now, they say that sales in 2023 will increase a little bit despite the headwind in pizza costs, pizza licensing costs, which I know we've all been talking about. Maybe not. (laughs) I think what's interesting about this company is they're talking about the issues that have actually we've been talking about for much of our podcast over the course of the last year plus, um, the last 200 episodes, talking about supply chains, talking about inflation, talking about the pandemic, and talking about the world looks like Kind of trying to unwrap all those problems. Here's the Simply Good Foods CEO, Joe Scalzo.
3: So you're, we've come at We've come from an environment where you wanted as much inventory as you could have in your system. way, exactly. Right. So there's there is when you're a, you produce to a supply plan, not to a demand plan. So as you're bringing inventory levels down to more normal levels, your actual production levels come down. So units are running slower as we bring our inventory levels down against the same demand, right? The other context here is we're talking about really small changes. In the quarter, we're talking about a million five on nearly $200 million in cost. And as you dig into the do-tos of it, none of it is really big things. It's a smattering of small you know, inflationary things, slightly worse than what we've anticipated. And if you just step back from all of this, we own contracts for lower ingredients. We can see the cost environment in our business changing fundamentally. It's just happening a little slower than what we
0: anticipated. So inflation coming down, the cost environment uh, unwinding a little uh, bit more slowly than anticipated. Yeah, I think we could all agree with that. But uh, this company also having a hard time getting its, its head around what's about to happen in 2023. Corey, what is your next drill down? Let's look at RH, a company we've talked about a few times over the last uh, year or so. Uh, RH, the artist formerly known as Restoration Hardware. Ah yes,
1: RH and RH shares have fallen eight percent since the start of 2023, and they've dropped 30 percent over the past year. It's um, a pretty even downward slope if you look at the chart.
0: Well, and it's a downward slope in revenues and profits too. Uh, total sales for the last year they just announced uh, quarterly numbers, which of course gives us the, the the tally for the entire year. And for the year, you know, so they announced sales down 14 percent year over year for the year. The sales were 3.6 billion dollars. Um, And these guys are still spending on promotions, although maybe not as much as a lot of other companies which are ramping up promotions as the economy has shown a little more uh, slowing down to some degree. Uh, But the eternal question with this company is, as they've you know, the restoration hardware 15 years ago or something is, is ancient history, this is expensive stuff, expensive furniture, and they've been keeping their prices high. They've not been cutting prices. So the question is, in this economy, in this interest rate environment, with the slowing sales of, of uh, expensive homes, can they still? Does this affect customers who might be willing to spend $12,000 on a bed, specifically their Italian travertine panel bed, California King at 12 grand? Isaac? What do you think? 12 grand uh, bed? Italian um, marble
1: panels? You know, uh, listen, I would love that. I would love that. I, In full disclosure, we have a restoration hardware bed in our bedroom. Uh, Do you Cal really? King. But I don't remember how much it was. We pay, bought it a long time ago. But prices, I mean, listen, this is not, when you go into a restoration hardware, RH, you know you're going to be spending some coin. It's not a cheap store. You know the furniture is not going to be inexpensive. Now, have you been to the restaurants? The restaurant? No, I have never been to, I've never been to one of the restaurants. They have one in the so flatter though, uh, don't they? In they York. have
0: one. Uh, it, they've got a couple in uh, the, the yeah. big one in Manhattan's in the meatpacking district. Um, they've got one up in Yountville, up in Napa Valley near me. They have one in, in near their headquarters in Marin County. Uh, they have a, a, a new fancy one that opened up well, well after. Well, let's I mean, let's just say CEO Gary Friedman, he approaches had uh, deadlines that the company announces kind of like Elon Musk. He announced it, and they announce it, and they announce it, and they announce the date they're going to ship it and finish it, and they're never anywhere near it, or often not near right. it, uh, with all kinds of excuses. Uh, and indeed, mm. announcing that they're for the next year, the revenues are going to be down sixteen percent, which is also about what their margins are. The margins of sixteen percent down from twenty-two percent last year. And what is he blaming? Well, what isn't uh, CEO Gary Friedman blaming? He's blaming the Fed. He's blaming inf- inflation. He's blaming the stock market. He's blaming the banking crisis. He's blaming the Golden Aww. State Warriors poor guy okay he's not really blaming the Warriors but I do often see him at the uh, new San Francisco RH gallery uh, after Warriors games it's right uh, it's right near the Warriors uh, Chase Center home um and uh, uh you know they've they've bought this old bank building completely gutted it it's it's a it's a furniture store that's open after basketball games with every bright light turned on inside that you could imagine um you know it's 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 an interesting approach. They say they're going to open 40 more stores all over the place. They've got uh, fewer than two dozen at, the, at this moment. Um, but, uh, you know, over the last two years, sales are up about, to about, as I mentioned, $3.6 billion in the last year. But free cash flow is down big time, basically cut in half over the last two years to about $230 million. Their memberships, yes, they sell memberships, which offer uh, discounts on their um, uh, their furniture and so on. Those memberships are down a lot, double digits. So the question is, what is Gary Friedman, the CEO of RH, blaming right now? Well, here's Gary Friedman talking about that climb up luxury mountain.
4: I mean, you know, just you know, if you, you throw the you know the inflationary period and the rising interest rates and difficult housing market and so on and so forth. Uh, that just makes everything harder, right? You know, but the climb up the mountain, particularly, we've always articulated and why I keep that last section there. You know, uh, you know. Climbing the luxury mountain, building a brand with no peer. Um, uh, you know, the, the, the higher you go, the, the the more difficult and treacherous the climb. You know, to climb no one's ever made before. The air gets thin, and the you know the odds become slim, uh, just because it's never been done. It's like you know, trekking the highest uh, you know the, the highest mountains in the world. Um, uh, so we 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 know it's difficult. It hasn't been done. So. Uh, we know that our work has to be, you know, you know more extraordinary and uh, more remarkable, uh, and it has to create a forced reconsideration of who we are and what we're capable of, and uh, and it has to force the people at the top of the mountain uh, to tip their hat and respect, you know, and accept us and admire us. That's not easy, you know. Point to somebody else that has done it. Uh, so um, we, you know, the it, it gets more difficult, but we also um we 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 also are significantly better than we were you know that when we people climb it at the bottom of the mountain so you're you know you are learning as you go you're you're becoming stronger and uh uh, uh get more experience and more knowledge um get more tools and uh, more support it's not an accident that that it's in that order right. So I'm, I'm communicating to the thousands of people in Team RH where we're going and what we're doing, right? And uh, uh, and it is going to get more difficult, and it is not for the faint of heart, uh, and it is not a climb that anybody's made before. Uh, but if we make the climb, the rewards are also you know, extraordinary and probably never seen before. You know, so um, you know, I you know, has anything become more difficult? No. Now it's just, you know, you know, is business more difficult than it was during the pandemic? Of course, <laughs> is it more difficult than it was in 2018 and 19, of course, um, where business is tied to the housing market and to interest rates and to the refinance market. And, um, you know, so it'll be more difficult. So that's just, that's just temporal. That is temporal. The pandemic was temporal, um, you know. So hopefully we're sitting here in six, twelve 12 months, 18 months. The Fed's lowering interest rates, the housing market's up 20%. You know, things are great. You know, you just can't plan for them to be great all the time. And you can't plan for them to be bad all the time. So you try to just take, take the Right, long-term view, and navigate through the noise and distractions uh, that that could you know that could take you off your path and have you wind up in the ditch.
0: So there it is from Gary Friedman himself. Climb the mountain, avoid the ditch, and maybe we should ignore the cratering free cash flow from this business. And hey, some more advice. Order the ribeye steak. That's advice from me, not Gary, but the ribeye at the. RH is fantastic. The restaurant is really getting itself together, fixing itself, at least in my restaurant reviewing opinion. The rest of the business, we shall see. We shall see. The blame game goes on. All right. So with the 200th episode, who do we talk to? Well, I think it's really interesting to look forward and look at some technologies. There's a big report out from Goldman Sachs this week saying that Generative AI, right? We've seen that with Chat GPT and DAL E, all these creations from OpenAI. Well, generative AI could impact 300 million jobs globally, they say, and sparking productivity around the world. Uh, Goldman estimated that generative AI could eventually raise GDP globally by 7% over a 10 year period. Uh, now, these are the same guys that told us we should buy a web van. So, nonetheless, uh, it's something interesting, something we want to understand better. And why not look at a company that's already doing it, already offering products with Open AI as a partner? Um, yes, uh, Goldman recommends two companies in particular: Microsoft and the other. Well, it's it's their top pick with Microsoft Open AI partner Shutterstock. Shutterstock CEO Paul Hennessy joins us right after this. The Drill Down is brought to you by
1: BrainTrust, a global talent network that matches highly skilled technical freelancers with the world's most reputable brands. BrainTrust has helped clients like Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Porsche, Under Armour, and more build agile tech teams fast at a fraction of the cost. Visit Braintrust.com. That's B-R-A-I-N-T-R-U-S-T.com to learn more.
0: All right, welcome back to the Drill Down podcast. We are joined right now with the CEO of Shutterstock. From New York City, Paul Hennessy joins us. Paul, glad to have you. Great to be here. Thanks, Corey. Where in New York City are you right now? Uh, We are in the Empire State Building. Oh, great. Um, uh, Know it well. Um, It's the skyscrapers and everything, New York City. Uh, So uh, uh, Shutterstock, such an interesting business and such an interesting time. And I don't know um, if people understand how important AI is going to be to your business. Um, Describe just in general kind of what Shutterstock is uh, uh, so I don't misdescribe it for you.
5: Sure. We've, um, you know, over the past 20 years, we've built an incredible creative platform that allows our, our contributors to uh, license content um, to us. And they've done that at scale. And then our customers can uh, license content and uh, use it in, in advertising initiatives from, from digital marketing to, to TV. And so we sit as the creative platform be, uh, between contributors and customers uh, and, the, and the business is doing, obviously, incredibly well. And once upon a time, that
0: business was just uh, royalty-free stock photos, but now it's stock photos and videos and music and other content um, uh, uh, of many types. Um, what's, how much is, is photos part of your business? Like, what percentage of the business is it?
5: Yeah, not surprisingly, um, photos is a large percentage of our business because we started there. We've now got over 600 million images on the platform but over the years, we've scaled the platform um, to meet customers' demands, and now we've got 45 million videos, two million music tracks, we've got uh, a million some odd uh, 3D models, and so as our as our customers' creative needs have evolved, um, so has the uh, the creative platform at Shutterstock, and not surprisingly, that that leads to better customer engagement, better customer conversion, and an overall better customer satisfaction. And and revenue growth. So we've um yeah we've been excited to evolve, and now of course um, AI is on everyone's lips, and and we've we've moved nicely into you know the next creative ingredient called uh you know generative AI. So we're excited about that.
0: Yeah, I, I you know the, the thinking about what AI is and how it's going to work, and and what businesses are going to get to use it um Has been ongoing and certainly um, accelerated with the with the Chat GPT and the Dolly experiences that people have been monkeying around. And I'll tell you that we we did an interview for an upcoming show, uh, and I was trying to think about how I was going to illustrate some of the social media. I like to promote the shows on social media and 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 the things that have images uh, perform better in social media. And I asked uh, uh, Dolly to create some images for me, and they were fantastic. And I just realized, oh my goodness, the then the use of um, those images, uh, newly created, um, really uh, opens up a lot of interesting avenues for
5: um, your business as well, I've got to imagine. Yeah, for sure. We've, um, we've had now a long-term partnership with OpenAI that we're excited uh, about, among others. And, and one of the, uh, the benefits of uh, creating that relationship early uh, is that now, not only have we provided... Um, our content to help train models at uh, at OpenAI and for for Dolly specifically, but also um, have now you know within the past five or six weeks launched a new product for our customers to be able to create images um, you know on the Shutterstock platform for their use. And and I think what's really interesting about uh, not just creating the images, but the way that we've built this ecosystem. Um, customers have the ability and the rights to use that content because all of that content is through approved and licensable content. So uh, you've you've heard a lot about uh, other companies that have been scraping websites. Um, We have the permission to use all of the content that actually informs the models, and therefore, our customers can actually create with confidence um, by by using you know our generative AI.
0: Well, and let's and let's explain to our our listeners a little bit just how this works. Um, you know, the AI models um, create images or in some cases words based on. A library that they're 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 using, and sometimes a, a, an enormous library. But it does raise the issue for the copyrighted, the owners of copyrighted material, who ha- have their model, who have their stuff feeding these AI systems, getting ripped off and not paid. How how do you um, manage that in a world where your images are out there and maybe fed uh, as as raw meat
5: to these uh, AI models? We have permission to uh use their content uh both for model training and for use in advertising. And uh and of course we provide our contributors the ability to opt out if anyone's concerned and they don't want uh, any of their content used uh in model training. And so the the benefit of having the approval is that we do two things. One, we ensure that customers can uh, can use use the uh, content with approval so they can actually go execute advertising. But also, when they do and when customers buy that content or create a, a generative AI piece and buy that image, um, we compensate our, uh, our contributors for the use of that content when we train the models. So we've got a really nice, fair ecosystem of, one, we get approval. You're able to track that. You're actually able to track that as it happens. Well, yes, we track it. Well, we track it as an input device. So when we train the models, we compensate our our contributors, and then when we uh, when we sell to our customers, uh, we we you know we get the revenue associated with that transaction. So our our contributors are paid arguably upfront, and then we we collect the revenues from customers um, through use over time. How can you tell when your stuff
0: has been used as as the output when, when the output is so substantially different than the input?
5: Yeah, we hit, we have, the, the, no one has quite cracked the idea of whether, uh, let's say someone creates a, you know, an image of a, uh, of a cat playing guitar on Mars. We haven't been able to determine, uh, what element of the hundreds of millions of images or billions of images that are used to create a model, which aspect an individual contributor did. So what we do is we compensate on total volume of the contributors. So if someone someone gives us one photo, they make X amount when we train a model. If someone gives us a million photos, they make more or you know a million times X. So it's it's based on volume of contribution rather than the utilization of the actual image created. So
0: does that mean accelerated revenues for you guys because of the existence of 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 DAL E, which is the open AI uh, visual um, a business or indeed just uh, AI in general.
5: Yeah, I think it's, I think it becomes an opportunity for us. Um, whether that's an acceleration will really be about the adoption of uh, AI as a tool for advertising in our space or just, or people just downloading generative AI images broadly. We're in the early phases. What I can tell you right now is there's high engagement um, we're generating about two, two million images a week since we've launched. And uh, to give some context to that number, we were creating about, uh, co- contributors were giving us about a million images uh, a week. So this is, is double the amount of content that's being created on our platform, which is really interesting and ultimately should lead to you know, revenues.
0: So could, could there be a contributor out there who's just creating new images uh, using AI or using Dolly or whatever, um, uh, and submitting them to Shutterstock to
5: then be fed back into the AI machines? Uh, that could happen. They could be uh, uh, submitting it. We reject um, uh, content that isn't owned by an individual and that we can demonst- you know, they can demonstrate is theirs. So we're not accepting uh, AI-generated images as an input, but we do create an AI-generated image as an output. Fascinating. What is TurboSquid, outside of an awesome name? Uh, <laughs> it sure is. Um, it is the uh, company that we bought that is the, uh, the leader in um, 3D images. And uh, as you might expect, 3D images are, are not only all of the rage for use in, in e-commerce so that people can actually turn and see you know, all sides of a particular product, but it's one of the fundamental elements in everything from the metaverse to, um, to gaming. And so uh it's it's great to have that business um you know on the Shutterstock platform and then for use for our for our customers and that use of course is, is expanding as the as the market's coming our way.
0: Well um, it's 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 a fascinating business and and give me a sense of the the growth in that business.
5: Well, we don't share the specific growth, uh, of any one of our particular, uh, verticals or categories, but what I can, as you you know, I'm sure won't surprise you or your, or your listeners, um, the world is, is moving towards, um, you know, words like the metaverse, um, more and more content created like film, both short and long form and 3d is at the heart of that. So that, that business is, um, is critical to the shutterstock. Uh, portfolio and platform.
0: We we were talking uh, in a recent show, we were, we were looking at the business of of websites and, and of Squarespace, which reported a fantastic quarter and had great bookings. And it does seem that there's a, you know, the, the economy's in kind of a question mark status, but uh, there's, there's a lot of content creation going
5: on, accelerated content creation um, on the web and beyond. Yeah, there, there's no doubt about that. And while lowered advertising spend uh, across the globe um, has a, has an, a, you know, an, an implication in our business. What we love about the Shutterstock uh, platform is it, it tends to be very resilient because even if people spend aggregate less dollars in advertising, they still actually have to create whatever the advertising is. So whether it's digital or whether it's, you know, a short form video or, or a 30 second commercial, the piece still has to be created and customers from small to large are turning to Shutterstock to create that content. Uh, and so that that puts us in a you know in a very favorable position um, to grow up grow with our customers.
0: Well, fascinating business. We wish you a lot of luck with it. Paul Hennessy is the CEO of Shutterstock. Thank you for Great having it. me. Appreciate it. Yeah, glad to have you. Absolutely. We'll coming up next on the drill down one bite, one number. It tells us a whole lot the drill-down bite right after this.
1: The Drill Down is brought to you by Era. With Era, give yourself an information advantage, connect directly to earnings calls and other investor events with live transcription and event intelligence. That's Era,
0: A-I-E-R-A dot com. And we hope you're enjoying this special edition of the Drill Down podcast. It's been made special by all of you listeners, uh, and we'd like to have more of you. So why don't you go to the uh, Apple iTunes and, and leave a review for the podcast, tell people what you like about it, even tell a friend. About the Drill Down Podcast. And let us know what companies you think we should be drilling
1: down right. on for our next 200 shows. Talk to us on Twitter and Instagram by following at Drill Down Pod and connect with us directly at our website, bizpod.net. All right,
0: we are back with a bite, the Drill Down Bite, the one number that tells us a whole lot about Shutterstock. And Isaac, the 3D model business, do you know about this sort of movement to use these kind of images? It's It's a big business. I'm going to tell you how big in just a second. I mean, I don't know much about it. I was learning as, as we talked. So according to Proficient Market Insights, it's a market analysis firm that looks at these things, the total addressable market for 3D models in 2022, the year that just ended, here's your bite, $1.26 billion was spent on 3D models last wow. year.
1: Wow! And I, I assume that that is just getting started too.
0: Yeah, this same Proficient Market Insights thinks that number is going to essentially triple in the next uh, five years.
1: Based on what we've heard, I would not be surprised.
0: And uh, and so interesting, this, you know, the, the big question for Shutterstock, of course, is, is does OpenAI's products and other uh, products, does it mean that people won't have to pay them for content because they're creating their own people who couldn't paint or take photographs or making fake paintings and fake photographs using AI and don't need Shutterstock? Or Shutterstock will make more money because they are providing more fodder for those uh, ai machines i mean
1: listen time will tell but if they're smart they're just gonna ride this wave however they can and not fight it because i don't think we can
0: fight it you can't fight mother ocean you can try (laughs) don't hate the player hate the game are you been listening to the Mm -hmm. drill on podcast we're so glad to have you uh for 200 episodes here lots more to come uh, we've, uh, great doing this with you as well. Isaac, congratulations. Thank you. Couldn't have done it without you. Isaac Webster, executive producer, Ben Wilson, our editor extraordinaire. The drill down is a production of the business podcast network.